so through those who will give themselves fully and completely to him. Before giving the Ten Commandments, Moses commanded the people to consecrate themselves. Standing on the edge of the Jordan River, Joshua told the people to consecrate themselves fully to God, for he would do wonders among them. Jesus calls us to love him, not with part, but with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. Nothing held back, nothing separated, not 10%, not 90%, 100%. All for his use, all for his name, all for his will, and all for his glory. To those who do, he will show himself strong with unmistakable, Revelation 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders came to me and said, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. Amen? Hey, we serve a mighty God. We serve our King Jesus. He is the lion, and he is roaring today on earth. Amen? And I'll just remind us all, the place he roars through primarily and first is his church. Amen. It's going to be a good day. It already is a good day. You know, when we started this series, Lord of the All, which by the way, today's our last Sunday in the series. When I started it, <clears throat> I, of course, I began sometime before praying and seeking the Lord. And it's back during <clears throat> November, December holidays and all of that. And I was praying and asking God for direction. So I grabbed a long roll of paper that long. And I thought, okay, Lord, let's go. Let's do this. So I, I work on January, February, March, April, May, June, July. And I'm praying through all this. And I start writing out what I believe is to be the direction for January and February. Just a little rewind here of history at Vertical. During this past year, the daycare who was here left, which left us in a place of financial need. I'll say again, God has already begun providing, make up that financial need. Amen? <clears throat> Amen. But with it, we also began to pray because now all of a sudden we were about to have space available to us that we have not been able to have available for us as a church because much of the daycare used it. And so as we prayed, we thought, wow, there's so much that needs to be updated and remodeled. And we talked about that some back in 2022. So I thought this series, Lord of the All, was going to be a lead-in to that, 
a lead up to some stewardship messages about the importance of us honoring God with our finances and, and giving and all of that. <clears throat> but the Lord took this series in a completely different direction and I had to quickly set this thing aside because he was doing something deeper than just getting us to a place where he was Lord of all, even what we might give. He was doing a deeper work in our hearts so that our hearts were complete and wholly his. Amen? Lord of all. So it's been a deeper work, a different work um, than what I thought, but I'm okay with that. Amen? This is what it means to be for him to be Lord of all, of the all. You let him direct your steps. You let him direct your path. And if, if you think these are your steps, you let him choose. And they might be, but sometimes he'll take the step you wrote down and he will order it in another direction. Amen? So uh, what you have seen over the last weeks is uh, us adjusting as a staff to him being Lord of the all in this area. And, and we've seen some powerful stories from scripture, what it means to let him be Lord of the all. And, and he is that. He's the one who has freed us and redeemed us and set us free from our guilt and shame, set us free from the power of the enemy. He, he deserves all glory and honor, amen? Uh, he deserves for us to, uh, not, not that, the, that we have anything of value for him, but we would be foolish to not allow him to be Lord of our all, not just our Sundays, but our everyday, to be Lord of our decisions and our futures and our relationships and our, our finances and our emotions and our thoughts and our responses and, and our words and our marriage and our raising of our children and our career, even Lord of our eating and drinking and driving and talents and all of those things. He's Lord of the all because what you heard in, this, in the intro is, is true. The world has yet to see what God will do through the one who is fully committed to his heart and him being Lord of the all. And it really, <clears throat> it's really an insult to heaven for us to only let him be Lord of part of our life. It's such an insult because it says uh, we know better about this part of our life. So God, you can, you can have this part, but you can't have this part. No, he is, he is worthy of all glory and honor. He is wisdom. He is power. He is truth. And he is grace and he is mercy and he invites us to come to this place. And so as children of God, we have been brought into not just a religion, but we've been brought into family. We've been brought into the father's family. And Jesus, the Son, is our Lord. But the New Testament says that he is also our older brother. That's kind of trippy, right? Jesus, being your older brother, he's here to protect and give wisdom and guidance and counsel and, and love us. Because we've been brought into a family. We've been adopted into this family. We're no longer slaves on the outside. We're no longer enemies far removed. We have been brought near. And the New Testament says this in Galatians, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Very affectionate daddy term that we say now to God. That's how close we've been brought near into his family. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir of God 
through Christ. You have the privilege of receiving what the Father has because we have been brought into the family. Amen? And we see this also in Romans. It says, and if we're children, then we are heirs, and we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We get to receive like he receives, not because we have earned it, but because he has made a way for us into the family. Amen? Such beautiful truth for us in Christ. And one of the things that we do now, one of our primary things that we do as believers is we seek to love now what he loves. We don't just choose what our life is all about. We say, Father, what is it that you love? We're in your family. We're your children. What's important to you? Because whatever's important to you, that's what we want to be important to us. We don't want to go do our thing and you do your thing. No, you are the one. So we will wrap our desires around you to do what you want to do. One of the things that's clear that God loves is his house, his people. Now we know from scripture that heaven is referred to as a house. Uh, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. My father's house are many mansions, right? So he is preparing a place for us in that house. But we also know that we have been made houses. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has come into you and you are a temple, a house of God. Amen? The Holy Spirit is with you. But we also know from Scripture that what we are doing right now, this gathering of believers, the Bible says this is God's house. Now, I know this gets weird sometimes because people refer to these four walls as God's house. I get it. But we have to understand that when we all leave here, we're still God's house, right? This is the place we gather, but we collectively are the house of God. We are where he assembles. We are where he shows up. We are who he speaks through. We are what he treasures. And so because he loves it, we want to love the house of God. Amen? So today in our final message of this series, it's called this, Heirs of the House. You and I have been made heirs of the house of heaven, the house of the spirit, the riches of Christ. And we're heirs of this house that we all gather together to be today because this is what the Father loves. So we have some uh, our last Bible reading for this series. If you want to take a picture of this screen, you're welcome to. It'll also be on our social media. You can follow along there. All of these passages relate to the message today. And uh, we promised on social media this week that we would make an exciting announcement today. And I'm going to at the end of the message. How about that? <clears throat> Just so hold on. We're going to get there. It's going to be great. So turn your Bibles today to Hebrews 3, 1 through 5. <clears throat> and we'll see what God has to say to us there about his house and the house of God. The house that Jesus is Lord over and the house that the Spirit dwells in. Hebrews 3. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. This is who we consider today. This is who we glorify today. Who was faithful to him 
who appointed him as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Now, the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jewish believers, and so they recognize Moses over and in part of the house of God. They recognize him as a central figure in the house. And the writer is saying, today I want us to consider Christ who was faithful to him. In the same way that Moses was faithful in the house, Jesus was faithful in the house. Verse three, for this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. Now this is true. Houses are great. Buildings are great. But whoever built and designed the house is greater. Now this speaks to me because I come from an architecture background. I get it. I've seen, I actually got to go in a Frank Lloyd Wright house. If you're from an architecture background, you kind of at least recognize that name. If not, sorry, um, you probably don't. The designer is always greater than the thing he designs because it came from his hands. It came from his heart. It came from his mind. And Jesus is greater than the house because he is the Lord of the house. Amen. Verse four, for every house is built by someone but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. Again, Moses was faithful in the house of God, but, verse six, Christ as a son over his house. Oh, so Jesus has a house and he has glory in that house Jesus said, I will build my church. He wasn't just talking about brick and mortar buildings. He was talking about the people that would make up the body of Christ, the house of God. And we just so happened to meet in a place we call the house of God. Are we all okay with this? You understand this, what scripture is saying here? Uh, by the way, uh, when we were at our conference last week, we heard a pastor do a message from this passage, but it was driven more toward those in ministry. It spoke so powerfully to us. It stands as the passage I'm using today. This is not a copycat message of what he did, but it's related to us uh, as members of the body of Christ, members of the house, all right? So just a little bit of background there. Christ as son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm to the end. We are the house that Jesus is building. And we're heirs of the house. We're the ones in the house who get what the Father gives to those in the house. There are those today who are opposed to the house of God, right? They stand in opposition to all that God is doing. There are those today who are mere spectators of the house. Some are spectators in the house. They're still checking it out. They're still wondering. They're still asking questions. They're still waiting. They're spectators in the house. But there are some who are the heirs of the house. They're the sons and daughters of the house. And when you're a son or daughter of the house, you live and think and act differently than those who are just from outside the house. Amen? Because you know the father of the house and you're an heir of the house. So you want to 
take care of the house, protect the house, live for the father of the house, do what the father of the house says. So today I want us to think about some ways that sons and daughters think differently about the house. Our first one is this. Sons and daughters are devoted to the house. Moses was faithful in his house. Jesus was faithful in his house, to his house. The house, us, is what Jesus lived for. The house is what Jesus died for. The house is what Jesus is building. And the house was greater than Jesus' own comfort, reputation, or needs because he was willing to give all for the house. This is how important you and I are individually, but collective to him. The church is the house of God. We as the people of God are the house of God. And sons and daughters are faithful to the house. Sons and daughters do more than just observe and spectate from a distance in the house. Sons and daughters don't come into the house as customers or consumers. Sons and daughters come into the house because they know it's the father's house and they're here to do whatever he says because it's their house. Amen? They're in for the house. Sons and daughters don't expect the house to do something for them. They come in to see what they can do for the house and for the father's house. They don't come in to be served. They come in to serve. They don't come in with their feelings on their sleeves. They come in with their heart wide open to give grace to others. They come in with their energy ready to serve, to give, to love, to show everybody else the greatness of the father who owns the house. This is what you do when you're sons and daughters of the house. You love the house. You're an heir of the house. You're attached to the house. You're spiritually attached to it. Your mind is attached to it. Your heart is attached to it. You want to be in the house. You want to be with others in the house because you're part of the house. It's what we do as the people of God, the sons and daughters of the house. Jesus would say this. He would say, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's true. The things that you treasure the most are where your heart is. And we know this. So if you see someone uh, who has a new baby, you think, oh, they're so cute. I'm oh, see your baby. It's awesome. And then, okay, see you. You leave. But if that is your husband or wife and they're holding your baby, there is a different attachment all of a sudden. You love this baby because it's part of you. There's an attachment. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And all babies are cute. But there ain't no baby cuter than your own baby. Hello? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's true. And so where your heart is, there your treasure will be. The things you're invested in are where your heart is going to be. And sons and daughters are invested in the house. It's important to them. They can't just take it or leave it. They can't just be half in, half out about it. They're all in for it because they're in the family and the house belongs to the father. And their older brother is there. And all the siblings are there. And so the place you want to be is in the house. Amen? Sons and daughters, they do that. They're attached. They serve. They pray. They celebrate. They come to the house. They love the house. Number two. 
sons and daughters protect the glory of the house. So in the Gospels, you know, the story of Jesus bringing the whip into uh, where they were selling merchandise and taking advantage of others. And the Bible says that he drove them out, the money changers, which by the way, let me just clarify. He didn't drive them out because there was money in the place. He drove them out because they were taking advantage of others in that place. He drove them out because many were coming from all around to buy sacrifices for their offering and they were ripping them off in the house of God. They were extorting, charging unbelievable prices, taking advantage of people. And so Jesus comes in, which by the way, this actually happens twice in the Gospels. Jesus makes a whip and drives them out. And you know what he says. If you've been around Christianity very long, you know the Bible. Jesus says, get out of here because my house shall be called a house of prayer. Prayer or worship. He says, this is, this is my father's house. Don't be bringing all that self-serving stuff into my father's house. You've made it a den of thieves. This is to be my father's house and it should be a place where we seek God, hear from God, are moved by God. He said, you've turned it into something completely different where you were ripping people off. And in the, in the version that says in John, it says that when the disciples saw this, it says that the disciples remembered what had been written. And here's what they remembered. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. They saw what Jesus was doing. They said, he has a passion for the house. So much so, it has literally just consumed him. This love for the father's house. And this is what sons and daughters do of the house. They protect the glory of the house. They make sure that what happens in the house and with the house gives God glory. When we merged here, which by the way, we are coming up on eight years as Vertical Church in April. Yeah, amen. The pastor who was here at the time uh, told me, he said, uh, the church has been through some rough waters. And the name of the church at that time, First Baptist Church of Villa, had picked up a, a pretty soiled name in the community because of some conflict within. And so there was the church had a bad name. And he said, one of the things that we were wanting to do is start over fresh, rename the church so that the glory of Christ and his church can be seen in this community again. And that meant bringing a new name. So that's some of how uh, First Baptist Church Ovilla and what was Encounter, the church I was pastoring, came to be around this idea and it was with this vision that there would be the character of Christ seen here and not conflict, hurt feelings, broken relationships, anything that is opposite of what Christ had come for. But this is what sons and daughters do. They protect the glory of the house. The third thing is that sons and daughters stand against the enemy of the house. There is an enemy of the church today and he is bent on destroying the reputation, the power,
passion and the unity of the house. But sons and daughters, they fight for the glory of the house. They stand for the glory of the house. They said, this is my father's house. Don't be talking about my house, right? And so they, they, go, to, they go to spiritual warfare. They go into battle. They pray against uh, those who would stand against the church. Uh, the elders here at this church, just a matter of weeks ago, said, we feel the need to pray for you. And so between one of the services, we met in a room and the elders gathered and they said, because you have been faithful to proclaim God's word, we want to stand against the enemy and anything he would seek to bring against this church. And they prayed for me and it was so humbling and encouraging and powerful, the unity that we have uh, as elders. And I, I, I had this real awareness that we all stand together against the enemy of the church today. Because this is what Jesus said he would do. He said he would fight against the enemy. So Jesus told the story in John 10, and he used a different metaphor. He used one that fit for his day uh, that shepherds and, and, and countrymen might understand. Uh, he said, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That's what a good shepherd does. He protects the sheep that are in his flock. He said, there are those that are hirelings that you might bring in for a temporary work, some day work or week work. And they come in and they just come to get the money. They're not there because the sheep, they're there for what it does for them. They're there for the money. He says, and the hireling, they don't own the sheep. They're not connected to the sheep. And so when the hireling sees a wolf coming, guess what he does? He hightails it out of there. He runs because he doesn't want to lose his life to a wolf. But the good shepherd, you know what the good shepherd does? He grabs his staff and says, let's go, buddy. Come on. I'm protecting my sheep. He stands against the wolf. And even if it means laying down his life, he'll do so to protect the sheep. That's the difference between those who are in the house and those who are outside the house. Understand? It's the difference between those who own the house, who are heirs of the house, and those who are just spectators in the house. Those who just come in to see what he can do for them. And so, sons and daughters, we're called to stand against the enemy in the house. This is part of the, the value of being a member of a house of God. Because you join a team of warriors who stand with you, who pray for you, who are ready to go to spiritual warfare and battle so that the enemy might be put on his heels and chased off. We don't run when he shows up. We go into battle and we protect our own. Amen? That's what sons and daughters do in the house because the enemy is persistent. The enemy is doing everything he can today to diminish the glory and the power of the church. The enemy is doing everything he can today to downplay the importance of church, to discount church, to dismantle the church, to distract the church, to depress the church. But Jesus is Lord of the church. He's Lord of the house. And the church is awakening to who it is in the Father's eyes. The church is awakening to see that we have the lion of the tribe of Judah who is on the throne and who is our Lord today. Amen? And the church is waking up to this today and we're seeing God move. The revivals that are happening around our land today, 
This Jesus Revolution movie, which I hope you go see, is all indication that, enemy, you can do what you want, but God is greater. He who is in us is greater than he who is against us. Amen? It's, it's of no accident that on the Grammys a few weeks back, there would be such a satanic demonstration. There would be this glorying of evil publicly before the world. And three days later exactly, the morning of the Asbury revival would begin. It's as though God says, all right, you're going to put your show on. I got something else I want to show you. And he began to move in the hearts of young people, the thing we've been praying for desperately. And there is a move that has begun today because God moves through his people. And it's time we, the church, stand up into that, that we welcome that challenge, that we stop cowering, we stop hiding, we stop dismissing, we stop dismantling the power of the church. Instead, we get up in it and we join together in it and we believe our God is in it and we proclaim the gospel through it. Amen? That's what he's called us to. Y'all with me today? Yeah. All right, come on. Yeah. Sons and daughters, they also do this. They keep the unity of the house. Jesus said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. It's important that the church be in unity. Now, I will say this. It is important that the church be in unity about the truth. We will not sacrifice the truth so that we can all kumbaya together. Amen? I'm serious. You can only have unity when there is unity around one thing. That's why Ephesians 4 says we are to be endeavoring to keep the unity of the faith. And then immediately after that, it would say, for there is one God and one Savior and one Lord and one baptism because unity can only happen when all the parts are rallied around one. And so as the church, we stand to keep the unity. Sons and daughters do that. We uphold the truth. We uphold love for one another. We uphold grace. We uphold the gospel. We uphold the scriptures. And we stand together in that kind of unity. Sons and daughters also do this. Sons and daughters base their lives on the truth of the house. Paul wrote to the young pastor Timothy and he said, when it comes to the house of God, know this, it is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. This is who we are as the church and as sons and daughters, this is what we do. We hear the truth and we obey the truth. We build our houses and our homes on what the house believes and teaches because Jesus is Lord of the house. Jesus would even say, those who hear my words and do them, they will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so as a church, what we are about here at Vertical Church is lifting up Jesus and living out his truth. That's lift him up and live him out. And so we teach God's ways for life so that we build our houses upon it because this is where life is. If you want emotional healing, 
mental healing, relational healing, they come when you build your life on the rock of truth. And so this is why we teach. This is what our children's ministry is about, our youth ministry is about, our men's ministry is about, our women's ministry is about, all of our groups are about. We're not just get together and let's cry about how terrible our lives are. We're gonna show some compassion, obviously. We're gonna weep together when we weep, but our goal is to encourage one another to live out the truth, amen? We build our lives on the truth of the house. And then the sixth one. Sons and daughters are passionate to bring others into the house. We don't just come here to escape what's out there. We come here to gather because of who's here. He is in the house. And we want others to come in to the Father's house. We want others to know what we know. We want others to experience what we've experienced. And this world is literally dying today because it does not know the glory of the Father's house. It's suffering today. It's caught in lies today. It's raging in confusion today. And Jesus had compassion for those when he began his ministry and showed us his passion for the house, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus had his eyes on everyone in the community who was struggling. He saw those who were spiritually blind. He saw those who were broken. He saw those who were oppressed. And he said, these are the ones I've come for. And so Jesus pursued them with grace and truth. And if we are part of the house as sons and daughters, this has to be what we are about. We don't come in doing what we want to do. We come in seeing what he wants to do, and we do that. And if he is pursuing those who are blind and bound and broken, then we have to be pursuing those who are blind and bound and broken. Amen? That has to be our pursuit because we're not here to do what we want to do. We're here to do what the Father calls us to do. Now, all of this, brings us to a very important moment because we want to be obedient to the Lord of the house. Amen? And so with that, our staff and our elders, we have prayed. Um, we've talked a lot and we've looked ahead at some things that are on the calendar for us um, as, as believers and as a church. So we know this year, Resurrection Sunday is April 9th. That's what's ahead. Now, some things about this day. We know that this is the day that we as believers go all in on. This is the day that shows us that Christ has victory over death, despair, darkness, the demonic, and the defeat, the spirit of defeat itself. This is the day 
This is the day we celebrate the resurrection. This is not just Easter Bunny Day. Hello? This is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ that we celebrate on that day. And this is the day that our faith rests in. This is the day that it all hinges around. It's the day that assures us that our sin was paid for. The cross shows us that the sacrifice was made. And then Jesus was placed into a tomb. But the resurrection shows us that the sacrifice was enough and that the price was paid. It was God's way of saying, you want to see that it's done, that it's finished, that I have power over it, and that your sins really are forgiven, and that there really is now a way to the Father, through the Son, here is my Son alive. Yeah, the cross showed it was paid, but the resurrection shows that it was finished and paid in full, and it's validation that it happened. Amen? So we celebrate that. It's a big day for us. It's the day that gives us the authority. Jesus is the one that said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, therefore, go and make disciples. It's because of that day. It's the message the world needs today. And it's critical in our day that we, the church, stand to proclaim this message. So as the world plunges further into darkness and despair, we stand with the good news. You do not have to live in the confusion and the doubt and the shame and the bitterness and the guilt and the darkness, the spirit of depression that wants to take a hold on your life today. So we know this is why Resurrection Day is important. With that, we also know that on that day, more people attend church than any other day of the year. Now it happens at Christmas and it happens at Easter. And we know that. We know there are people that that's going to be true for. We don't stand here to mock or condemn them. Amen? We stand to use that moment to show them the power of the resurrection. It might be their one day of the year. It might be our one time we get to speak to them. So we're going to speak to them. They came to our house. We're going to show you what we do in our house. Amen? And historically here, over the past seven years so far, we know what that day looks like. And over the past four years especially, we know that on Resurrection Sunday, we will have just about double the attendance that we normally have for three months leading up to Easter or Resurrection Sunday. It's just what happens. Yeah. You know, you can say, that's crazy. How come they don't come back? Well, that's another discussion. The fact is, they come on that day. Hello? So when you understand that, that it will, we've had, I think we've had over the past five years, um, we had one year we did not have services here because of the COVID weird time. Um, we had three where it was just under doubling attendance. And we had one year where it was more than double the attendance. So we've looked at all of that. And so knowing that, we also know what Christmas Eve was like here this past year. So we had two services for Christmas Eve. If you were in the first service, you were either glad you got a seat or wished you'd been here earlier because you didn't have a seat, right? This place was packed. I mean, we were putting out metal chairs just as far as we could. We know that that's another day that people will come 
into the service. So as we've prayed this year, we've looked at what numbers have been like. And trust me, this is not all about numbers this morning. But numbers represent lives, right? So when we look at the numbers of what has been this year, keep in mind, we went to two services less than six months ago. And God has blessed um, in, in both of our services Lots of people here. There's been some Sundays where it's over 400 people on campus. It ranges from 325 up to 400 back and forth. So as we look at all of that going into Resurrection Sunday, we've prayed and then said, okay, God, give us a picture of what, we've, what you would like to see happen here, what's going to happen. We want to be ready. We want to make the most of this moment. Here's the number that we believe God has given us as what will be here on Resurrection Sunday on campus. Amen. We believe that many will be here. Some of it just because it's that day, but some of it because we have been called as sons and daughters of the house to invite some folks to the house. Amen. So as we got that number, talked through that, we thought, okay, 700 on campus. That's awesome. How do we do that? That's crazy at the same time. And so we've come at it, our staff has sought to come at it from a very intentional, strategic, excited, passionate perspective. And so with that, as we tried to work out the numbers, we thought, okay, how's this going to work? Because we don't even have 350 chairs in this room. We don't have 300 chairs in this room. It's tight. And so what we have come to, and we make this big announcement today, that for this Resurrection Sunday, just for that one day, we will have three services here on that day for you to attend. Yeah, amen, amen. We're excited. That means a lot on our worship team, on our kids workers, on our tech crew, but they're all in on this. They're praying, let's go, let's do this because we have an opportunity to make a difference in our community. And what a statement for God to restore the path of this church to do something fresh here, to see more people experience the reality of the living Lord Jesus here on this campus when the enemy had tried to do so much to destroy and stop it. This is restoring what the years of the locust had taken. This is a fresh thing that God is doing. He's restoring the paths. He's bringing beauty from ashes. So uh, over the next multiple weeks, you're going to hear more things that we are doing on that day and leading up to that day that you're going to be so excited about. Some very tangible ways to make a difference in our community and on that day. So uh, excitedly share that with you today. Already begin praying for who you're going to invite and how we do that here. And I'm excited about that. Let me finish with this one point. Sons and daughters love to see the Father's house full. Jesus told the parable as he was teaching his own disciples. And he said, he talked about a, a man who was a master and he wanted to have a banquet at his house and he wanted to invite many, many to come in. And so Jesus said, he told this story. He said that the master said to the servant of the house, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled this is the desire of the Father. It's his desire. This is not just us as a staff. 
This is not some power-hungry pastor. This is none of that. This is us doing as a church, as sons and daughters, what the father of the house says is important. So we're going to pray. And we're going we're gonna to do what he asks so that this house might be full on that day. Amen? People will hear the gospel. People will see the victory of Christ over darkness. And they will be set free. Let's, let's bow our heads together and let's pray already in advance for that day and what the Father has called us to. Father, I thank you that you've called us to your house. This is not our doing. This is not our plans. These are all your plans. You're the one who has established the church. You're the one who has called your people together. You're the one who has united us. You're the one who has brought us in as sons and daughters. You're the one who has gifted us. And you're the ones who have called us now to see that others come into the house. So Father, we pray in advance for those people you're going to put on our heart and mind that we'll invite to come in to the house to see and to hear, to compel them that they might know freedom. They might know victory. They might know you as Lord and that the revival that has begun in our nation might spread like wildfire and it might happen here in Oville. So I thank you in advance. I thank you for those who are living in our community today who don't have a home, a house where they can call on family to pray for them, a place where they can hear truth, a place where they can find restoration and I thank you that you're restoring the dreams, the vision, and the heart of many who have sat on this campus and prayed so diligently for it. I thank you that you're restoring what the enemy had meant for evil. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.